My name's James and I'm an alcoholic. <coughs> Sober today thanks to this fellowship and the power that's in these rooms. That's, that's fine. Yeah. Good morning. Uh, a microphone and an iPod. It's wonderful. Um, yeah, I'm James, I'm an alcoholic. Uh, this is not how I plan to spend my Sunday morning. Um, I'm a loner still, um, uh, and uh, although I'm, I'm usually reluctant to come to things like this, um, when I actually get here and make the effort and get here, I actually enjoy them. Um, I came here yesterday, sorry, I came here yesterday only because my sponsor wanted to be here. And... Uh, <clears throat> Actually, quite enjoyed it, and I thought, well, I'll come back. I'll come back on Sunday. As I was walking out last night, David said, "Are you coming back tomorrow?" And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "Oh, good. I have a job for you." And um, it's been my what I try to do in, in AA is say when I'm asked to do something for AA, I try and say yes. Um, it's one of those practical bits of advice that I craved when I first came to AA. Um, how do you get sober? How do you hand over? How do you, how do you do this and that? And it all seemed to be sort of pretty wafty, you know, warm and fuzzy, touch and feely kind of stuff, which I didn't really relate to. I'm, I'm a, I think of myself as a practical person. You know, I like doing things. I sometimes think I'm a human doing rather than a human being. Um, I find it very difficult to talk about me. I find it easy to talk about things that I do. I mean, for for example, at the moment I'm just been engaged in uh, my car is celebrating its 21st birthday this year, and it's getting a tad rusty because I live near the beach. So I've renovated a 20-year-old scooter and uh, getting that licensed and registered and all that kind of thing. It's been great, you know. Uh, my next project, if I don't have a project, I'm not happy. My next project is an electric bicycle. I have the bits and, and uh, yeah, you know, I think um, living in Melbourne and with a car is very expensive and, uh, and, and, and um, public transport's war well and good. But, but I, need, I need to be doing things, you know. Um, and when I first came to AA, I looked at the steps. Uh, when I first came to AA, I looked around and I was horrified, you know. Uh, someone said, you know, AA is daggy. It really, it, it's not as daggy as it used to be. But the, the first, the first meeting, I, perhaps I've changed. The, fir- <laughs> the, the, the first meeting I went to was in a, 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 a tongue and groove um, a weatherboard hall around the back of a weatherboard church, calcimine pink, with cigarette smoke down to here. <laughs> full of people who were very nice and very friendly but uh, I didn't relate to it at all because um, um, they drank beer and they drank in pubs and they worked for the public service and, and I didn't do any of that. You know. and, uh, and I looked at the banners and they were yellow like a kipper from all the cigarette smoke and I read some of the literature and it really needed rewriting. I'm a graphic designer by profession. And I looked at the banners and I looked at the presentation and I thought, you need a... You need a you need someone like me to smarten you up. Uh, um, that's if I agreed to take you on. Um, I, you know, I, I was a, um, 
like others here, I was an expert in the self-help book department. I still walk into borders and gravitate towards the, the, the self-help books. Um, but I don't buy them like I used to. But I, I remember when I moved house one time, uh, when my first marriage broke down, I took a load of stuff to the tip and I had a large green garbage bag full of self-help books and tapes. You know, I bought, something was wrong. You know, I bought my first self-help book when I was 16. You know. Um, and and uh, yeah, I mean, for me, alcohol was the anaesthetic. So I looked at the steps, and and uh, when I actually um, uh, started reading them, I was horrified because of the God word. You know, I'd given God away when I was ten years old, because the the things they talked about in church didn't make sense to me. You know, uh, there were. Um, uh, Contradictions in logic in the, in the whole business. You know, if, if 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 Jesus died for my sins, why did I still have to be good? You know, stuff like that. And no clergyman could ever ever answer me satisfactorily. And so I thought, well, you know, part arrogance, part basic logic. You know, I'm, I'm responsible for myself. Anyone who needs a God, good luck to them. But in my view, it's weakness. You know, it's, I'm the captain of my ship. And the master of my fate, and it's down to me. And I, I, if you can shift the responsibility onto a third party, well and good. But it wasn't on for me. And uh, you know, I mean, I, as the captain of my ship and the master of my fate, I navigated my way all the way up Sheet Creek. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> but so I looked at I looked at the twelve steps, and if you look at the twelve, when I looked at the twelve steps, seven of the twelve steps mentioned God or matters spiritual or higher powers. And I thought, well, that might be okay for you. Maybe there's something in there that I could use. You know, forget about the God business. But if you look at, you know, if you knock out seven of the 12 steps, there's not much left. It's like, you know, trying to climb a ladder with half the rungs. And uh, and uh, and so, you know, I, I went off looking for an easy software. Not an easy software. I'm quite prepared to work and I'm quite resourceful. And I tried all kinds of things, and I couldn't find anything that worked for me. You know, I knew what my problem was. I didn't know what to do about it, and uh, and I got sicker and sicker. You know, my, my 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 drinking was a downward spiral. I kept doing the same stuff, and it kept getting worse. And I wound up back in detox, where I'd been several times, had, had pancreatitis, um, and in a halfway house, um, where they made me go to meetings, and that's what saved me. They made me go to meetings, and while I was there, I was safe. And, and uh, I kept looking at the steps, and, and I heard people say, "I read the steps, I didn't understand them." And I, you know, I looked, and I thought, "Well, what's wrong with you?" You know, I could look at the steps, and I knew what the words meant. I prided myself on my vocabulary, um, but it was still sort of double Dutch, and it took a long time really for for it to sink in. Um, I, the other thing that made the big change for me was having a system um, I talk about this a fair bit because it was crucial to me a, a guy got up and put the steps in terms I could understand at the time he said every day I do six things and I started doing the six things and I even being ever so slightly obsessive compulsive I made up a little chart <laughs> days of the week six things and I ticked them off you know and I could see progress you know like I mean Practical stuff, you know. I love the practical stuff. I go to meetings and they say, hand it over. And I say, well, how do you do that? 
how do you hand over this? Say the words, say a prayer. And I said, well, okay, but then what? What do you do for the other 23 hours of the day? You know. Um, but they'd say things like, sobriety is in the first three rows. And, uh, and, and, and that clicked. I didn't want to be in the first three rows. You know, I'm, I'm one of those kids at school where when they opened the door at the beginning of the year, boom, I was off to the back row. You know. And I remember in detox, we had meetings in the detox where I was in Sydney. And I, we all, all the detox guys, straight for the back row, <coughs> mutter, mutter, mutter amongst ourselves. Uh, but this guy said, sobriety is in the first three rows. And in the first three rows, you're closer to the person who's speaking, you can hear them better, and you don't hear the guys in the back rows going, going mutter, mutter. You know? um, I was petrified of being picked, you know, but um, it's, part, it's part of the process. Um, I liked you know, practical stuff like the person who said to me, when AA asks you to do something, say yes. Because my natural thing as a, as a loner, as a um, uh, you know, self-contained stainless steel seamless unit of one is to do my own thing. Um, but saying yes to, 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 to when I'm asked has, has, ex- has opened me up to a lot of vital experience for me. You know, it's done me the world of good. You know? um, and, and I'm very grateful for, for that. Um, yeah, so getting to step eight. When I looked at the 12 steps, some of them I didn't relate to at all. There was this warm and fuzzy, touchy-feely um, stuff. Um, and then there were four steps that made sense. There were the steps where you do stuff. Four and five, eight and nine. You actually do stuff. You don't make decisions or you don't... Uh, uh, come to believe um, you actually do stuff you write stuff down, you share it with someone um, you make a list you make an ends and, uh, and that was okay and, and I, I still have problems with the warm and fuzzy touchy feely steps like 6 and 7 and it's good to hear the previous speakers because it gave me a fresh perspective on, on things but um, yeah I I, um, I did my fourth and fifth and I found that liberating not only because it was, you know, it was a bit of house cleaning um, but because I felt I was doing something about my recovery. You know, in early sobriety uh, all, us other, all us newcomers used to sort of he's done step four. You know, wow. <laughs> and step five, he's going to do step five. You know. And step four and five were terrifying because obviously because I had to confront stuff about me you know I am not comfortable sort of digging up the past where when I behaved badly and did shitty things to other people and and acknowledging it was not not my idea of fun at all Um, but um, you know my sponsor said you you need to do it and when I did it um, the first time I felt like I'd actually done something uh, meaningful in my recovery. You know, I went to meetings and I didn't pick up a drink and, and I did service work and stuff like that, but I'd actually done step four and five and I'd, it was a great sense of achievement, you know. Six and seven, though, there was those, there's those wafty ones again. I did the best I could and I, you know, seven, the seven-step prayer is 
that's something I do regularly hoping that it will rub off um, but eight and nine um, made a list of persons I had uh, we, I'd harmed um, you know, I'd done this in, as part of four and five um, so I could go back to that um, and the big book and uh, some of the reading that I've done cramming last night for, t- for this morning um, <laughs> reminded me that really just reading my fourth step isn't enough because um, I don't know about you but uh, my recovery is a work in progress as are the steps that I work on uh, you know, I've not, I've not, even though I tried the first time I haven't done my definitive fourth and fifth and, and never will um, and in recovery I've realised down well down the track that there are people that I harmed that, um, that I hadn't even realised back in early sobriety you know, when all the fog was thick and I was just stumbling along and doing the best I could um, case in point my daughter you know, I have two children and, and they are the light of my life and my daughter I have a son and a daughter and father-daughter um, thing is usually very special and it is for me and I didn't realise until last year you know, 12 years on in sobriety that I owed her amends I thought that I'd done the best I could under the circumstances a broken, a broken marriage, a broken home I'd never forgot her birthday I always drew a, a birthday card for her I always was there when she needed me I helped her with homework I'd done all the stuff I thought a father should do and she said something a year ago and I realised I owed her amends and I whew, had to do it um, I, I couldn't live with myself I, I did it the next day you know, fortunately she was here in Melbourne because she's been travelling um, so making a list means refreshing the list that I made in, 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 in the four, step four um, becoming willing to make amends to them all the second part of, of step eight um, becoming willing to actually confront these people that I treated badly uh, uh, was daunting um, way up the top of my list was one of my employers uh, from whom I'd stolen some photographic equipment and uh, I was in recovery thoroughly ashamed of this and also aware that if I made amends to him he had the opportunity to take steps you know, he could charge me with theft and, and, and rightly so you know um, but I, I, you know, that was high on my list because it was sort of practical. Um, the the subtle stuff, the touchy feely, warm and fuzzy stuff, I, like 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 my daughter, I could only deal with later on. Um, but becoming willing was difficult. I mean, I, I've always liked what Lee Parry from Brighton used to say. You know, you have to be willing. For me, you know, open honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness are the three ingredients and for me willingness is probably the thing I need the most what with willingness the rest is possible um, but Lee Parry used to say you need to be willing and if you're not willing you need to be willing to pray for the willingness and if they're not if that's if you're not ready to do that then you have to pray to be willing to be willing you know it sort of made a sort of convoluted sense to me and and just praying to be willing it was a step forward anyway my, uh, my sponsor gave me some, some good advice he said 
um, before you make amends, run it past me. You know, and when I went to see this guy uh, that I'd stolen the equipment off, he said, I, I ran it past my sponsor, and, and he said, don't promise the world, don't promise them the earth. You know, um, don't commit yourself to something you can't fulfil. Um, because when I actually went to see the, the guy that I'd, uh, I'd, I'd shared, I, I'd, I'd had to make amends to, his response was fantastic. I mean, I'm talking about step nine now, that's the next speaker's province, but I was overwhelmed at the response of the people that I made amends to. They were so generous. And this guy said, just return it. No problem. That's fine. I never even knew. And I was so grateful, I was prepared to do anything. You know, if you need anything, just... And then my sponsor's words kicked in. You know, it wasn't appropriate that I... I promise away the rest of my life to someone in a, in a fit of sort of spontaneous gratitude. So, um, yeah, it's, um, like I say, eight, four and five, eight and nine steps that I, um, that I liked because I could do things, you know. Um, I still have problems with the other steps. As I say, um, recovery for me is, uh, a work in progress and a movable feast. Um, my recovery is the reverse of my um, of my drinking. My drinking was a downward spiral. I kept doing the same things, and stuff got worse. In recovery, uh, it's an upward spiral. I keep doing the same things that I've learned in AA, and, and life continues to get better. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to speak here today, however unexpected. Um, I'm very grateful to be sober. I love being sober and, and it's a consequence of being in rooms uh, like this with people like you. So thank you for being here.